Welcome to another episode of Bobcast with you as always is Bob, sitting on the couch in the black lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Uh, if I could use a Ouija board and contact anybody, I guess I would uh, hit up Kurt. It's been 20 years since uh, his passing. A lot of things in the news recently about his legacy, the induction of uh, Nirvana into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is happening uh, next week in Brooklyn. Uh, reports uh, on Twitter of Chris Novoselic, uh, he is uh, learning or relearning, I guess, old Nirvana songs from a tweet he sent out. The legacy of Nirvana uh, as it relates to the Bobcast. <laughs> it's hard to explain, really. Okay, let's go way, way back, okay? Put your cell phones away. Open your ears, listen to this, pretend you got a tape player in your pocket, and uh, there is no internet. The only way to get information is through your friends at school. So naturally, you'd want to go to school to find out new cool shit. For, uh, one of these things was Nirvana. I, I actually can't pinpoint who told me about Nirvana, but I remember the moment um, I bought the single, Smells Like Teen Spirit, with its uh, B-side even in his youth. It was at what is FYE now in the Plymouth Meeting Mall. It's the same looking store, same tiles on the wall. It was then a Sam Goody, and I purchased the CD, or excuse me, the tape, the single cassette tape for about $1.99, maybe $2.99. I forget how much singles were back then. But yeah, I instantly was um, spellbinded by uh, Kurt Cobain's voice, the guitar, the melodies, the bobbling, uh, bouncy bass riffs of Chris. And... Um, of course, Dave Grohl, his drumming is uh, one of a kind. So yeah, and then I just started following the band. Uh, and the way you followed a band back in the day wasn't through Twitter or Facebook or any other social media app. It was through MTV. And of course, what we like to joke sometimes, uh, you know, MTV doesn't play no music. But yes, there was a time where there was a fair share of, there was music. And there was like a, a show called Singled Out, I think, with uh, Jenny McCarthy. They mixed it up back in the day. I mean, they had Beavis and Butthead, of course, and uh, Ann Flux. I forget, there was a late-night show on there. It was really good. Of course, The State, one of my all-time favorite uh, comedies, if you've ever seen it. It's brilliant. And if you haven't, I suggest you check it out. Uh, favorite skit of all time on a tangent is um, when the, everyone has hot dogs at a barbecue and jumps in the pool and gets cramps, and no one is there to save them once they're all in the pool. Back to Kurt and Nirvana. I remember definitely... Definitely, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was a New Year's Eve, and Nirvana played um, a Seattle uh, warehouse for what was called Live and Loud. Nirvana um, was the headliner. Originally, they were supposed to share this, uh, the bill with Pearl Jam, but Pearl Jam backed out at the last moment. Uh, the opening band was Cypress Hill, if I believe. The venue was amazing. Uh, the camera work, phenomenal. They just released a DVD of it, I think, last year. But yeah, this is like the height of like where I'm just like, wow, this band is amazing. Um, when I was growing up, of course, I was listening to my parents' music, which I still listen to. Uh, the Doors, The Beatles, etc., etc. When I'm like eight or nine years old, and I definitely remember the summer of 1989, I was listening to like Prince because it was on the Batman soundtrack. And I was like running around my living room pretending I was Axl Rose from uh, Guns N' Roses. The funny thing about that is, I mean... They, the band Nirvana and Guns N' Roses got into a huge feud, a feud that lasted, uh, I guess, the entire duration of their careers. Uh, there was some reconciliation between the bass player Duff and Kurt on what would be Kurt's final flight back to Seattle. But uh, the MTV Music Awards, where Kurt has his hair in the, the bowl cut, like uh, Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber, and uh, Chris uh, throws his bass up in the air and... Bloodies his face off was awesome because they opened up with Rate Me and scared the producers. The producers were like, no, 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 no. You can't do that song. You can't do that song. It's too controversial for TV. 
So they opened up with like four bars of the the riff, and I think like one vocal pickup. So I follow the whole Nevermind um, sensation. Uh, I watched their career, and it was weird then because I mean, in today's world, I mean, if you are if you have a relationship with like a celebrity, where you know it's of course the fan artist type of relationship I'm talking about where you adore somebody, you can see everything this person's doing today on TMZ, PerezHilton.com, Twitter, whatever. Back in the day, you really didn't know what was going on in people's lives. And for me, it was really weird to find out as a 13-year-old boy that Kurt had a heroin problem. And the word heroin, I think that was the first time I learned that word. I mean, I knew about weed, I knew about, you know, alcohol and everything like that. But, uh, I definitely remember like a curiosity when I was 13 of being like, what the hell is this? And just being almost devastated that someone that I looked up to was using this drug that my parents frowned upon. And of course, everybody else in, you know, the adult community at the time, calling him a junkie, um, his tumultuous marriage to Courtney Love, their, uh, the birth of their daughter. Uh, It's just amazing. Like in today's world, I wonder... I mean, it was it was bad for him then, but he would never be able to make it with the cameras in his face and shit today. But um, it's just weird to think that. Like, I didn't know anything that was going on. And then all of a sudden, one day on my doorstep, I find out he's a junkie. I'm in middle school. Um, when you're in middle school, you're like 11, 12 years old. And, like, to process these types of emotions is... I don't, I don't know if it would ever happen again. Like, that generation, my generation, the ones listening here to the Bobcast are the ones who really can't describe what it was like growing up because it will forever be different than any other generation. Um, the turn of the, the 21st century, the 2000K kids, you know what I mean? The Y2K, you know, revolution. Kurt had no idea what I guess he had started because that generation led us to today. And in today's world, I... I, it, it's so complex with all of its nanotechnologies that like, I have no idea where we can go in the next 60 years. So Kurt, yeah, he's got himself a kid, and they release an album. They release In Utero. In Utero is a fantastic album because it's so dark and it's so artistic. It's not really music. It's like, um, I guess, art for dialogue, if you will, with like instrumentation. It's not like what you would call a pop album. Three songs were... Uh, Touched up by R.E.M.'s producer to, to sound good. But some of my favorites on uh, the album include this track right here. Very Ape by Nirvana. So the album's out, right? And at this time, I think I'm like around 13 years old. And I'm like, Mom, please, let me go see Nirvana. Let me go see Nirvana. So basically, my mom ain't going to let me go. She's like, nah, there's no way, Bob. It's a school night. They were playing. Nirvana was playing at the Philadelphia Armory. And it was a Wednesday night. I remember it like it was yesterday. And um, man, I wanted to go so bad. She wouldn't let me go. The school night, you know what I mean? I understand in hindsight, looking back at it now. Soon after uh, I missed the show, I get a piece of information from MTV News, once again, that, um, and props to Kurt Loder for uh, being one of the greatest anchormen ever. I get news that Nirvana's going to be uh, on the Lollapalooza tour that summer. So, I'm hype. 
I pre-planned with my friend Mike Flacco that we're definitely going to go see this show. Uh, the kids in school that I hung out with, man, we all had those shirts from Swirled World down the beach. You know, I had Nirvana. Kevin Quinn had Pearl Jam. Drew was in the Stone Temple Pilots. TJ was uh, into Nirvana as well. So we get to, like, the month of March. And it's uh, around March 1994. And I, I'm waiting. Like, this, I'm, like, only got a couple more months of school left. Nirvana, they're playing Lala Blues. It's going to be great. Uh, it's a Friday. Uh, I am in eighth grade at the Colonial Middle School, and I'm going home with uh, Mary Homan, Christopher Homan's mom. And um, we get news that uh, Kurt's dead. I think it was around, uh, if I'm not mistaken, March 4th, around then. And we think he's dead. WDRE is reporting it. Y100 at the time is reporting it. And then we find out that it's not true. And I'm like, thank God, maybe it'll get better. Maybe it'll get better, right? Once again, no world of communication like TMZ.com, any of that stuff. I have no idea what's going on. My fingers are crossed, but I have this, like, I remember looking back at it and being like, it's it's too good to be true. Something's going to happen. Like, what? I, I was I was only 13, 14 years old, and I, I was at the turn, I guess, of puberty, and, like, it was just the strangest time of my life. And um, we find out he's okay. I mean, if there was a TMZ on March 18th, 1994, I would have found out that Courtney Love called Seattle police informing them that Kurt Cobain was suicidal and had locked himself in a room with a gun. And that you know, that's weird, right? I mean, if you think about that now, if any celebrity threatened to kill himself and locked him in a room and the police were called in any city, it'd be all over the news. So we don't know at this time, but uh, Courtney Love and all of his friends are trying to stage a, a detox, uh, excuse me, uh, intervention. And, uh, you know... <sighs> He he shows up to the intervention. At first, he doesn't, you know, he, he listens to him for a little bit. I imagine then he gets pissed off and um, he goes up to his room and he locks it. And then later that day, he agrees to uh, go to Exodus Recovery Center in uh, Los Angeles, California. And uh, this is on March 30th, 1994. So he gets to the treatment center. Um, he starts talking to counselors. Um, about his drug usage, yeah, personal problems. It's, he has visits from his daughter, Frances. Uh, he's there for, I guess, what, one night? And then he decides to jump the wall. And the creepy thing is that I found out years later is that Kurt uses his credit card to buy a plane ticket uh, back to Seattle. And who's sitting next to him but Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses. According to uh, McKagan's... Um, blog and I think his book uh, he says uh, that he sensed something was wrong so I guess what is it, April 2nd now right day after April Fool's Day it's actually the day that we're recording this bobcast so the day after April Fool's Day uh, Kurt's seen all around town probably wearing them sunglasses you've seen in the recent photographs that um, hat with the flaps coming down he spends a couple days he buys a shotgun with his friend and then we all know the rest of the story. On April 8th, 1994, Cobain's body was discovered um, in Lake Washington. He was found by an electrician named Gary Smith. And uh, basically, yeah, I, I remember being devastated. 14 years old, being like, my favorite band's gone. This is something, I guess my parents had a hard time um, relating to. Because, I mean, their music generation, not really... There was never really um, a suicide. There was a lot of drinking at 27. Who knows what happened to Jim Morrison? So it was hard for them to understand what I was going through. So I felt like I was like lost in this like you know dark room, trying to battle you know whatever emotions were coming my way from what I heard on WDRE. 
I call into WDRE, and I think that's the first time I was ever on the radio. I said something uh, along the lines of, you know, his music will always be with us. And, you know, 20 years later, his music is still here. So in the news now, uh, Kurt is being, I guess, uh, his legacy is being celebrated 20 years later um, from when he took his life, left this world, uh, left us with a lot of questions. Of course, uh, the online conspiracies are out there, but uh, as you know, in the Bobcast, we don't like to pass judgment, so this show is just dedicated to the memory of Kurt Cobain. I guess uh, Aberdeen uh, is putting up uh, memorials. I I can't tell you how excited I am for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame coming up. Paul McCartney, as you know, uh, did a song uh, called Cut Me Some Slack with uh, Dave, Chris, and Pat Smear. I can't tell you how excited I am to get any bootleg of this at all, any type of image of them on the stage playing. Um, An actual Nirvana song has not been played. Cut Me Some Slack is an original song, but it definitely sounds like Nirvana. So... I can't imagine what's going to happen. So uh, right now on the Bobcast, we're going to give a couple people a call and uh, see how they um, want to remember Kurt Cobain. Hello? Yo, T, it's Bob with the Bobcast. Today we're uh, recording Kurtcast, being that it's been 20 years since Kurt passed away. Um, yeah. Question for you, T. Uh I don't know if we were together that day, but can you place where you were on April the 8th, 1994, when you heard the news? So we were in 8th grade. Yeah, we were in 8th grade. So we were at school, I presume. I know we, you and I were together because I remember you had recorded yourself calling into, you said, WDRE. And La- later that night we were together, right? Yeah, that night. But in the daytime, I'm assuming, we had school that day, I'm pretty sure. So we were at school and heard about it. And obviously, like everything we... The only thing we could talk about, but um, I know we're in eighth grade, um, but I can't really remember much about that day. No, just happy, just being stunned, like everybody else, you know. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been twenty years, being that we're thirty-four years old, and we were all but what fourteen years old in eighth grade. Looking back on it now, um, as an adult, how do you think you processed the information as a you know a young teenager? Well, just back then, like thinking about death and people dying, like wasn't as real as it is like at our age now. Obviously, I mean, it's like I don't know, like obviously it's like a different way that you deal with grief and things. But it's also with somebody like famous that's, that you didn't know personally, but I guess you kind of felt like you knew personally because you loved the music so much and just loved him as an artist and started such like a brilliant guy. Um, definitely think like I don't know. I think we were more. I think it was more heavy to us back then, just because we were so immersed in like that music and especially Nirvana and stuff like that. But I think like now we would be like more rational about how we felt about it and it might not be as drastic. But um, like we talked about before, I couldn't imagine being like an older middle-aged person either. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like seemed fitting that he went out at 27 years old. Yeah, there's a picture that surfaced on the internet, I guess, uh, a couple months ago of what Kurt would look like when he was 47. Um, T, uh, last question here for you on the Kurtcast. Uh, If you could listen or if you could pick one Nirvana song that would be the soundtrack of your life as it pertains to Nirvana, what song would that be? Um, I don't know that, like, I really love, I heard all apologies today and that was really amazing, but also I always love hearing Lithium. Um, just because it starts off like kind of mellow and then like it really rocks out in parts too. So I guess that's like a good like juxtaposition of like two style genres because it's like lithium because it's like, you know, 
starts off with like, oh, I'm so happy, but then it's like, cause today, like, kill my friend, you know, and it just starts rocking out too, so I think like, that kind of style of song just really like, captures it pretty good too. What song would you, real quick? Um, for me, it's a mixture, um, I've called a couple of people today and people are giving me their, their song choices. I guess for me, I've mentioned here on the Kurtcast, uh, earlier today, I mean, In Utero to me was just amazing. And there's a track on there, Very Ape. Uh, that track, I, I love Serve the Servants, uh, Scentless Apprentice. I guess, uh, I, I guess I love the drums of Scentless Apprentice. I, I think that song's just rocking. So I'll choose that one. Well, T, thanks for uh, sharing your thoughts here on the Kurtcast. All right, thanks for having me. Look forward to hearing it, buddy. Take it easy. Bye bye. Hello. Yo, what's up? It's Bobby with the Bobcast. On the phone here is Andrew Hawkinsmith from the Starving Artists, aka the Electrician. Today we're talking about Kurt Cobain, and uh, the question I have for you is: uh, Where were you on April? I guess when the rest of the world found out April eighth, nineteen ninety four, when Kurt Cobain passed away. Uh, I was in Colonial Middle School. Uh, I guess like some girl told me, I forget who it was. I think it was that girl Shana or whatever. I forget her name. Shana Moss. But maybe, yeah, possibly. She seemed really broke up about it at the time. I didn't really understand because I was only like fourteen or whatever. Um. You know, I was like, why can't they just keep going without him? You know, like that kind of shit. Uh, I didn't really know. I listened to rap, so I didn't care that much. But uh, now, you know, I see the significance of it. You know, the music was, I mean, it was just at its pure. I don't even know what I just said. Pure? At its pure essence, it's just like the core of rock and roll. You know, it's like pure feeling and energy on the record. And you just, like, can't beat that. I mean, nothing doesn't get any better than that, really, you know? Yeah, it's it's, it's hard to believe energy. that uh, 20 years has passed, and uh, the music, I mean, when you listen to it today, it definitely stands against time and, you know, holds its place. Uh, oh, I yeah. agree with you 100% that en- the energy in the music was something that I don't think has been captured since. No, it's, it's unmatched, you know? Um, I go to karaoke kind of often, and you never see anybody try to karaoke Nirvana, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, know? it's it's impossible. His voice was so unique. <laughs> yeah, nobody can pull it off. So it's uh, it, it was just amazing. It's it, it and it does. You're right. It does stand up against time. I mean, I've I've done the homework, and I'd say, you know, they're they're definitely top three bands all time for me personally of of anybody. You know, I know a lot of people like them now. A lot of people say it's overrated or whatever. Trust me, it's not overrated. It's It was that good. And there's not going to be many things like it in the future. Many have tried. None have succeeded. That's very well put. Um, last question, and uh, thank you for um, uh, sharing your sentiments here. If you could pick one Nirvana song as your top, top track that you listen to over and over again, uh, one that... Uh, one that you look back to and just be like, man, that's the track, that's the soundtrack for my life. Which uh, song would that be? I'd say Aneurysm. Yes, dude. I <laughs> love that song. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, The Harvest covered that one time, and uh, that was my idea to cover just because I, I, first off, 
I, I never, it was hard for me to understand that Incesticide wasn't a new album. It was old demos that they put out that year. But that track specifically, the riff, the energy in the song, it's just unmasked. Yeah, I thought it was a cover when I first heard it. I thought it was like a cover of some old, you know, 50s or 60s rock song or something. I like didn't believe that he wrote it, you know, because like that hook is so good. You know, it sounds like something that's just, you know, catchy and was written by a master of songwriting. And he pretty much was a master. You know, that's kind of what I didn't realize until later in life when I started to revisit some of the stuff. Uh, he, he was definitely um, one of the best songwriters ever, uh, even on paper, too. Look at his lyrics. Like, he's got some of the best lyrics of all time. I agree 100%. Uh, Hawk, thanks very much for sharing your thoughts on Kurt Cobain on the Bobcast Kurtcast. All right. Anytime, man. Give me a call some other time. Let's talk about whatever. Let's no, chat about it. No doubt. We'll chat about it. Thank you. All right. Later. Wait. Hey, George, it's Bob with the Bobcast. Hey, Bob, how you doing? I'm good. On the phone here is uh, George, my neighbor. Uh, he moved in a couple, uh, I guess a couple weeks ago or a month ago or so, and uh, I was elated to find out recently that we both share the same, uh, I guess, fascination with Nirvana, Kurt Cobain. So um, today, George, we're recording um, the Kurtcast. So uh, my first question for you, because I know you're on your break, uh, where were you uh, on April 8th, 1994, when you first heard the news? I was actually in, I think, fifth grade in the schoolyard. And my friend came in because his older sister had gotten us into Nirvana before Kurt died. And he was like, oh, my God, Kurt killed himself. And, uh, man, I can remember that day like so clearly, just even in fifth grade, just still stands out to me. So in fifth grade at that time, I guess uh, you were a fan of Nirvana as well. I'm in eighth grade at the time. Um, on the Bobcast today, uh, most most people, you know, we're all talking about how it was very difficult for us to deal with these emotions as, you know, young kids. How do you think you processed uh, these thoughts? Uh, that, you know, I kind of actually was able to deal with that pretty easily. I think I lost um, my grandmother around that time, too. So it was kind of like I dealt with that at the same time, just kind of like holding them together. Um but yeah, that was like the first, the Kurt was like the first actual like famous person that I felt that I really cared about that had died and that, you know, that, that's always stuck with me. All these years later, 20 years later, um, I guess uh, one of the questions we've been asking people today on the Kurtcast is, uh, now this is going to be a difficult one for you because I know you're a big Nirvana fan like myself, but um, if you could choose one song uh, from the Nirvana catalog that would be uh, the catalyst for your, uh, the soundtrack of your life, what song would it be and why? Oh, man. I would say maybe Serve the Servants because I just always like the one line where he's like, Teenage Inc. says, pay off well, now I'm bored and old. And that's and that's kind of how I feel sometimes. Yeah, that's very well put. Always stuck with me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, being that he was only 27 or 26, I guess, when they were recording in utero, for him to have that type of uh, outlook, I guess, on the world... Uh, earlier today on the Bobcast, Kurtcast, we've been talking about in utero. Um, I guess a, a new question that I'll ask you since uh, you're such a, a big Nirvana fan like myself. If they recorded um, another album, what do you think it would sound like? Like if they would have done another one after in utero? Yeah, they, he had some material he was working on with Pat Smear. 
Um, I guess they would go down the basement and uh, mess around. Uh, in your in your mind, in your thoughts, what do you think it would sound like? I think that it would have probably kind of started going towards more, um, a little bit like, like the unplugged stuff that he, he did at the time, um, maybe a little more acoustically. Um, I think he was maybe going to start getting away from a lot of like the noise stuff that he you know did, did a lot. Yeah, I think so. I think more like a calmer calm, calmer album would have came next. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times uh, in the news uh, the last week, people have been uh, saying or asking if Kurt was alive today, what would his music sound like? Uh, to me, I, I feel as like it would sound like Nirvana. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I definitely think it would still be uh, kind of in your face, great lyrics, great music, um, you know, great guitar parts, even though they're they're simple. Um, they just, you know, they're catchy. I think it would have been exactly the same. He just would have looked a little older. <laughs> yeah, just a little older. Now, uh, next week, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, inducts uh, Nirvana in there. The rumors are out that Nirvana, in some shape or form, will be playing. Um, I can imagine you're as excited for this as uh, I am. Uh, what do you expect from uh, this performance? Uh, I think it's going to be great. I really do hope like Chris and, and Dave get up there and play. Like we were talking before, it'd be awesome if Paul McCartney got up there with them and they actually did real Nirvana songs this time. I think hearing Paul do school with them would be awesome. I'm sure they'll get smells like Teen Spirit in there. I would like to hear them do Lithium. I think that would be nice. But I think they should do at least like one acoustic song. Just They'll, they'll probably do uh, Where Did You Sleep Last Night, I think. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, George, I know you're on uh, your break at work, but um, I wanted to get you on the Kurtcast. Soon we'll have to uh, jam. I want to check out those Jaguars, those uh, Jag Stags you got up there. No, definitely. And, uh, I got the Jag Stag, I got the Mustang. <laughs> Hopefully I get the Jaguar eventually. Oh, you don't have the Jag, but still you got the Jag Stag, which uh, I'm dying to check out. But uh, George, awesome. George, thanks a lot for being on the KurtCast. Um, we appreciate your uh, your time and sharing your thoughts and sentiments about uh, Kurt Cobain. Oh, no problem, Bob. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you later. Late. So that concludes our KurtCast, remembering Kurt Cobain 20 years later. Closing thoughts from me, what Nirvana, what Kurt Cobain did to me, uh, the legacy, as it reflects not only to the Bobcast but to myself. I don't think I would be, let's see, I wouldn't be the artist I am today. I definitely wouldn't have been in a band. I would never have started Downtown Harvest. I never would have even contemplated uh, putting the message out there to people that art should be dangerous, art should be fun, things should be looked at with a sense of humor, and these are all aspects of Kurt Cobain. So as this uh, KurtCast comes to an end, I just want to thank everyone for listening, and uh, just like I said on WDRE 20 years ago, Kurt Cobain has gone, but his music will always be with us.